Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, everybody, welcome back into the early line here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge, Kevin and I. And Kevin, I got to tell you something. I don't know where the edge is anymore, especially when we talk about the NFL. Seriously, though, because, like, so much is up in the air. You know, I've been telling you for a long time, and I still believe it, that the NFL gets the luxury of following the blueprint established by the NBA or Major League Baseball or the NHL, right? Whatever these very tough, multifaceted questions are. And they are, right, Kev? I mean, whether you're confident or not, we've got to acknowledge, right, um, that these are very tough questions to answer. And I think, you asked me about it once before, because in a collective bargaining agreement or a union, right, it represents hundreds of people. Uh And hundreds of people can have a hundred different valid perspective and concerns on all of this. I say it all the time. You may be comfortable riding the five train right now, and I might not be. And you maybe have valid concerns, and so do I. So I'm a little bit starting to get worried, Kevin. My confidence is dropping on the NFL. Because as time and time goes on, right, my idea of them being able to just follow the existing blueprint That time is now going away, right? Because they talk about they want camps to open in mid to late July. That's now only a month away. We, baseball, the NBA, you know, may have not have answered those questions yet. And in the NFL, there's more players on the roster. There's more equipment there. So it is very, very interesting. And we got news yesterday of another huge wrench that could be thrown into it. It seems Mm. like, Kevin, several members of the Houston Texans and several members of the Dallas Cowboys, oh yeah, including Ezekiel Elliott, have tested positive for COVID. Uh, What do we do now, Kev? So there's a a number of directions, I think, that we can go with this. The first thing, though, is kind of to your overarching point of this luxury that the NFL has had. And I think we, we touched on it very briefly when they kind of gave us their training camp timeline. Yeah. And we were like, oh, they're kind of going to be going a little bit sooner than we're kind of alluding to. And they don't really have a lot of their testing protocols right. down the way that you would well, like. Me, it's that part, you're right. And the fact that the other side has become later and later also. Like, we thought some of these things sure. would be figured out by early, mid-June, and they're still not. But I also think there's something to the idea of the NFL not understanding the, the, the seriousness of this all to the degree that everybody else has because they've not really been that had, had affected it. by it. That's, no, that's what it is. Like, their season was fun. Right. They went to the draft, right? Yeah. And honestly, did it go better than it could have had it was normal circumstances maybe due to the numbers they pulled on TV? Now, maybe they lost revenue through – I don't know, hosting it and fans showing up, but I'm sure they would have also had to pay Vegas. I don't know the dip, the, the the middle there, but the draft went great. Yeah. They ran the offseason. No yeah. problem. Other than the fact that, like, Todd Gurley was... Because they're not gathering yet, but now what? <laughs> right, and I think that's the thing. Like, so for someone like Ezekiel Elliott, Dane, yeah. it's a situation where, has he been impacted by this at all in terms of his sports life? Now, I don't know how Ezekiel Elliott wants to handle his personal life, right? But what's been taken from him, Right. He's not been in the middle of contract disputes. He wasn't drafted this year. Yeah. He's just chilling. He's cool. Right? Yeah. And that's why you could maybe even argue that the NFL players are maybe more at risk because they don't understand this. And I think even to a degree, you know, I saw some people yesterday, oh, first-star player in the NFL gets it, Ezekiel Elliott. That's Von not- Miller. Von Miller not only got it, though, Dane. Symptomatic. He's asthmatic. And yeah. that's why he was symptomatic. That's yeah. a big deal. And I still just don't think that was talked about enough. And also remember, Kev, there may be others that we don't know about because people in this country have a right to not disclose because of HIPAA laws. Like, there could be others that have COVID. We don't know. And that's okay. You know? And, and for example, there's so many other issues here. 
Okay, because now with this at the fall, right? I pose a question to you, Kev. Mm. If you are an NFL player and your child goes to public school in the fall, yeah. Are you going to be able to live at home with your child? That's a good question. Right, because these guys, this NBA return and all this stuff, right? We don't know about the family issue, right? We don't know about how it's spread. We don't know if, like the NBA, they're going to try and tell Pete Carroll he can't go out there because he's in his 70s, right? We don't know about this. We know that members of the uh, Cowboys, and Zeke happens to be one of them, what happens if going into week three, you know, three of your starting offensive linemen go down? Yeah, no. And your backup quarterback go down. It's it's a it's a good point, and I think if you know how how people are going to handle their home situations is going to be reflected a lot in how the country is handling things. Like if right. schools are open, the it's idea is then that bubbles, right? NFL's not. Yeah, no, it's one hundred percent true. Let me offer you something else though, Dane. Right? Like you read that that piece of news as casually as everybody else has read that piece of news from one perspective, not the idea of someone catching COVID. Yeah. That it was the Cowboys and the Texans. Yeah, Texas. There's no link, though, other than that, right? Like, right. it's not like they were together. Like, <laughs> as far I as I know, yes. Right. right, it's the idea of the state spiking. But that, but that's weird to me, right? Because do they have the same doctor, all of them, and that doctor put information out there? Like, I honestly don't know. Well, like, I it's no very idea. confusing to me that these details were delivered right. in unison, right. right? It wasn't like... Cowboys news, then Texans news, Texas is a disaster. It was right. Cowboys and Texans have COVID. And is it is it as simple as to say, oh, this is just a Texas thing? Because it almost makes me wonder if there maybe is – we have other football players that have had it. We recently, the other day, we didn't even really talk about it in hour number one. There's been positive tests in the MLB. We've had no reports. Yeah. The Lake, Remember when the Lakers had positive tests yes. and we still have no idea what Lakers yes. players it was? Like – some people have come to the forefront with their COVID. Sean Payton is like, listen, mm-hmm. I think it's important for people right, to understand. Miller. Right? Gobert couldn't hide the fact that right. he was, you know, it was the thing that shut the world down. But you do have a right in this country to keep your health records private. No, I'm 100%. Okay. My point is, we're looking at this situation, I think, from the idea of, oh, the Cowboys got it. And maybe even more so like, oh, Zeke got it. But I'm almost saying, if I offered to you that, you know, there's another hundred plus players out there that either have or have yeah. had this disease. Yeah, it's it's more than plausible. To absolutely, this. it absolutely is, and that's why my my biggest point on this, right, on this news, is not necessarily the individual, right, that Zeke, and but yes, that is a big name, and so what happens when other big names get it, right? For me, it's the idea that the NFL always had this luxury to follow the leader, but now we are getting into the time frame, Kevin, that because these other sports have not even figured out these very complex details, that the NFL is going to have to start making decisions on their own, okay? They're going to have to start figuring out. The first fork of the road is what is their risk tolerance to this? Do they want to go or not? And if they do, then they have to figure out all the complicated issues on how they will do this. But I'm worried about, like, an entire quarterback room going down or a significant chunk of a defensive line room going down because they meet – together, right? And how is it going to happen? Is this an automatic, like, concussion 10-day DL kind of thing? Or And and that is something that needs to be answered. And, you know, just like yeah. with concussions, Kev, right? It's like the independent neurologist, right? But everybody thinks Brady had a concussion in the Super Bowl, and ironically, he wasn't pulled, right? We're talking about in the NBA, we're going to see their health records and maybe not be allowed to go. I wonder if role players have the same kind of, you know, uh, kind of qualifications as stars. And I just wonder how it's going to play out. It's a very slippery slope. Here's one of the interesting things, right? So you would offer... Baseball, NBA, MLS, and the NHL all trying to go first. The other four leagues that that they should be able to pull from. The problem is three of them are pretty much taking the bubble approach, right? Right. The the, the NHL is going for two cities, right. but the NBA and the MLS are it going would be baseball. Place. That's the model to follow, and they, they can't get out of their they own way. They need baseball 
they to need see what a traveling circus looks like. They need and baseball they, to answer these questions, yes. And they don't have it. So it's crazy to say, but after all of this, the NFL in some ways might go first. Now, again, maybe we get baseball. And some people will tell you we're going to get baseball. Okay. But we don't know. And I would say, you know, not to speak on your behalf, least confident you've been in getting baseball in a while, right? Fair. Right. I think that's right. So the idea, though, is if we don't get baseball, I mean, the fact that baseball just being around is important to us figuring out, like, how football returns is going to piss people off even more now at this league. So here's the saving grace. The MLS tournament is set to crown their champion, I believe, on August 11th. Yep. And the plan after that, after the tournament is over, is for teams to return to their home markets to mm-hmm. finish the regular season. And they have pen to paper. Okay. Yeah. So maybe baseball won't be the leader. Maybe football will be able to follow the MLS blueprint, but it's quick. It's tight. It's getting tighter and tighter. And I think that's my biggest point, right? If they if they crown their tournament champion on August 11th and then they return, that's like mid-August. Okay. Football's supposed to be in preseason by then already. Hey, well, that's so, the thing. The 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 first baseball is preseason to be the blueprint. Preseason week one, August thirteenth, and the yeah, Hall of Fame games August sixth. I remember there's talk though about cutting it from four preseason games to two preseason games, so that could give them some wiggle room and, in yeah. the kind of last chance scenario. But and they almost have no choice if you really because we're not even going to do a Hall of Fame ceremony, are we? Right. I, that you gotta, you, you're not so, bringing everyone over to Canton no. for the speeches and stuff. You got a big old Zoom meeting with whoever it is, right? right? But I think that is the biggest thing for me. I always thought they were going to be able to follow a blueprint that was established by another major team, American sport, yeah. where, where, where they may be losing that opportunity. And so now all of these complex questions that face Major League Baseball, that face the NBA, may start to face the NFL as well. And it's going to be very, very interesting in my mind. I mean, what do they do, Kev? What do they do? Are you not confident on football or are you confident we'll have an NFL season? I mean, I'll say this. Would you say that the NFL cannot exist in a bubble format? Because I would say yes. Where are there 10 football fields? You know, sports has like 10 soccer, you know, fields and 84 basketball courts, right? Yes, I think football would have to be like baseball and travel um, because you don't have 16 stadiums in any nucleus area around in this country unless they did a regional approach and they found four places maybe that they could do this but remember even those places are getting snatched up vegas orlando islands aircraft carriers other sports are now competing for that ground as well so it is a SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. It is the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I, we continue. And we're almost done, Kev, you know. This is the 20, the 30th team. We have done. There will only be two teams left after this. We do Washington today, and then, you know, the top of the NFC East as projected. It's going to be very interesting to see how Kevin has the game-by-game game with the Cowboys and the Eagles later on this week. But we talk about the Washington football team today, and I want to start with their new head coach, all right? You know, because every team in the NFC East, as we mentioned yesterday, with the exception of the Eagles, does have a new head coach. Ron Rivera coming over from Carolina. They also bring in Jack Del Rio um, to be their defensive coordinator, bringing in the familiar face of Kyle Allen to be the QB2. We'll see if there's another familiar Panther that comes their way at some point. But I want to start there with the identity of this team, Kev. To me, when you bring in Ron Rivera as your head coach, you bring in Jack Del Rio as your defensive coordinator. You've been drafting Alabama defensive linemen for the better part of the last decade for that front seven, (laughs) building that up. And then you use the number two overall pick on a guy that people who are at Ohio State 
we're saying is better than both Joey and Nick Boza. Sign me up. Chase Young goes number two overall. It looks like they are going to really be kind of focusing on the defensive side of the ball, and I think they could be an above-average defense. Uh, I mean, the defensive line's great. The defensive okay. line should be like – the defensive line's like top half of the league. Okay. Uh, which And Chase Young's going to come in and be wonderful, and, uh, you know, people are hoping that Montana – You don't like the back well, half? No, I don't. I actually really like Landon Collins. The mm-hmm. secondary is quite messy. I think the secondary is – their defensive line is so strong. And their secondary is so weak that you could have argued that Jeff Okuda could have been the pick for this team mm. at two. But I understand that the overall talent um, of young wins out there, and that's fine. Ultimately, why make a move based on this current roster when you don't know what this roster is going to look like after a season? That's all good. I think the biggest thing with Ron Rivera is the idea of this team that's always kind of like coming and going, right? Being yeah. able to get someone that you would say can, you know, come in and put the ship on a right path, right? The thing is, he's been the model of inconsistency. Like, if we just go for his tenure, right, in Carolina, which is, you know, a nine-year coaching career, started out 6-10, and 10, he then went 7-9. and nine. 2013, mm-hmm. they popped their 12-4. and four. They come back, they're 7-8-1. and one. Then they go 15-1. and one. They go to a Super Bowl. The next year, they're 6-10. and 10. And they're back in the playoffs at 11 and 5. Then in 2018, they're 7 and 9. And last year, he uh, gets fired after week 13 and goes 5 and 7. I mean, there's not a consecutive winning season in there right. with Ron Rivera. He's more of a defensive mind. He is part of a collection of head coach hires that, as a whole, I absolutely despised. I thought they were, for the most part, terrible. Retreads. And yes, a lot of that had to do with the enemy being available. But it also just, I'm not sure necessarily if Ron Rivera is the guy I'd turn to when I'm looking for consistency. But they're the type of team I think sometimes, Dan, we might look at it and you'd be like, ah, get your ass together. Like, come on, man. Like, right? And Ron is the guy that you hope can can be that guy, right? But we're not looking at him to fix Dwayne Haskins. Could he be like the adult in the room in the same way I believe Stefanski will be in Cleveland? Okay, so I would say he has, he should be. Right. But is that what this team needs? I guess would be my counter. Fair enough. Not as much as the Cleveland Browns do. I'll give you that. Because the Browns are just, they they have have talent, you know, over their head. It's they needed somebody to, you know, figure this whole thing out and put the pieces where they belong. The the, the Redskins don't have that. And I look at Ron Rivera, and again, I'm not telling that Ron Rivera is a bad coach. He's just, is when you look at Ron Rivera and the qualities are, oh, he's going to come in and be the adult in the room. That's not the most inspiring thing I've ever heard. Like, I don't know who my quarterback's going to be. I've got Ron Rivera who's going to come in and babysit now a bunch of kids. Like, it's just, it's, it's a questionable approach to me. I hear you. And listen, I'm looking now at some of their team rankings, right? They are literally either 31st or 32nd. In a number of places from last year. I mean, intruding point differential, okay? They were losing games by 10 points a game. That's 31st in the league. And I think third down percentage is a very key stat. You know, later on in the week, we're going to talk about things like sack differential, turnover margin, and I believe those are really stats that um, move the needle for teams. Check this out, though, Kev. I believe third down is the money down as well, right? They were, get this, last in the league. In third down percentage, they only converted 29% of their third downs last in the league. They were also last in the league on third down defensively. Their opponents converted third down, get this, 49% of the time. Half the time when their opponents had third down, they converted it. Hopefully, someone like Chase Young will be a big difference for that, right? But their offense was not there either. The rookie, Dwayne Haskins, you know, they had injuries with Darius Geis. They did not really move the needle. Terry McLaurin was their biggest playmaker. So, you know, I kind of think this is going to be a team down at the bottom of the league. We must say, and we covered it a little bit yesterday, the Washington football team is, however, the favorite to land Cam Newton. If 
they landed Cam Newton. Would this move the needle for you? Because we're going to look at their futures bets, right? We're going to look at their futures market, and, you know, it's not pretty. Kev, I'll just say that. Their win total is five, okay? There are minus 1,100 to not make the playoffs. Um, they are the second choice in the NFL to have the worst record in the NFL, second only to the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's six to one that they got the worst record in the NFL. It's 55 to one. They're even hanging numbers that they go 0-16, right? So people don't expect much out of this team. They are, however, the favorite to land Cam. What yeah. do you think about that? Former coach, would that change the narrative of this team? I mean, it changed the narrative for sure. I just don't see it happening. It's just not a move Fair. that makes sense to me. Like, you brought Kyle Allen in as the I-know-Ron-Rivera backup. If Dwayne Haskins went down because of injury in the first, like, three weeks, maybe. But if it gets to the point where they bench Haskins halfway through the year and just put Kyle Allen in, it, that's when it just gets real messy. I maintain Haskins should have 16 games to start. I, I think, honest, I mean, I quite liked him coming out of um, Ohio, Ohio State. State. And, I, and I think that he has some potential. Did he, did he show it last year? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, his last, you know, two games of the seasons were a pair of games where he had, you know, almost nine yards. He had 9.3 yards per throw against Philly and 8.9 against the Giants. He had two touchdowns in both games. No interceptions in both games. Yeah. You know, a very, very impressive passer rating, over 120 in both of those games. I mean, his two best games were his last games of the season. I don't necessarily look at Dwayne Haskins as a guy that they should be dying to move on from. Like, I think that's one of the issues right now in the NFL from time to time. Right. Want to move on from guys too quickly and discard them. Like, I almost think, like, the same can be said for the idea that Jacksonville wants to move on from Gardner Minshew like this. So I was going to ask you, because I see this, right? And you're right. You know, in week 16, uh, 361 yards, right? Like, I, for the for the offense. Like, he was leading them in ways they were, you know, getting a little bit better. Here's my question for you. Hmm? Why does it seem like there is so much less confidence in Dwayne Haskins vis-a-vis -vis Drew Locke? Drew Locke played in four games, yeah. right? Dwayne Haskins played in, I, you know, I forget how many. I'll bring it up. But, like, did Drew Locke look dramatically better than Dwayne Haskins to the point where they're giving him the keys to the car? Drew Locke came in and went 4-1, and one, and that's all anybody cared about. But, honestly, like, based on pedigree, I mean, you know, Dwayne Haskins was, like, the 16th overall pick. Like, I don't know why teams are able – like, one of the craziest things I think I've ever seen is Steve Klein being able to keep his job as Cardinals general manager after having to get rid of a first-year head coach and right. a top-ten overall pick at quarterback right. and switch it out for a new head coach and the number-one overall pick at quarterback. I thought that was insane, and that was something he was able to survive. But basically what happens is we saw Haskins year one, right? His first game, he threw, like, three picks. We've all decided he was terrible from then. Right. Nobody watched any Redskins football last year other than their occasional appearances on red zone. They lost a ton of games and he had no weapons. They bring a new head coach in and we spend more time talking about cam or Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Right. And Hey, think Dwayne Haskins can get better. Of course he could get better. Of course he could get better. Is he in a great situation to do it? That's where this gets difficult. Terry McLaurin was awesome last year. And the offensive line isn't miserable. It's fine. The offensive line is fine. There's enough pieces in the running back room that they should be able to create something. Yeah. But they should, but they're also probably still gonna lose a bunch of games. Yeah, but can I, I hear you. Go four and twelve, and Dwayne Haskins looks good. Yes, that I is think possible. So. Absolutely. I mean, I look at his last two games. You mentioned it, a 143 quarterback rating, a 121 quarterback rating, right? Like against the Giants last game, remember, and that was a shootout, 41-35, you know, two touchdowns, no picks. Against Philly, again, he put up 27 points, two touchdowns, no picks. He had some tough ones, but it's things like away at Buffalo. 
You know, I mean, at Minnesota, you know, these are not places that it's a shame to look bad in. So I did want to kind of pose that question. Why is everyone so out on Dwayne Haskins? You mentioned they lose Trent Williams. They got yeah. Sadiq Charles from LSU as the tackle to replace him with the draft pick they got from the trade of Trent Williams. What do you think about Antonio Gibson? He's like that kind yeah. of slash player also out of Memphis, right? And I think guys like that could have a value in this offense. I'm not necessarily saying for fantasy, but, you know, could be a valuable piece of the offense. Yeah, I, I think that he can make a big difference because he has the ability to act as a running back if Geis and AP aren't able to stay upright and he has the right. ability to get involved in the slot a bit because he showed both of those skill sets uh, while he was at Memphis. I have to tell you this, though. As we get ready to pick this team game by game. Yeah. They're going to come away with very few wins, probably an under bet, okay? Even on a five under win, five. I could see that coming. This conversation, this, you know, 10-plus-minute conversation we've had yeah. here, we spent a lot of time, Dane, saying what's that team that nobody sees coming? Mm. It could be the Redskins. That's interesting. Ron Rivera, again, it's inconsistency, but so that means he's due for a winning season. <laughs> and if Dwayne Haskins takes the step forward that – I'm not going to rule out, and this defensive front is a top-five defensive front in football, and the 24th defense by DVOA gets a little bit better because Ron Rivera and Chase Young are there. Maybe. Right. We'll see. Maybe. We'll go game by game after this, and any kind of uh, you know future like that probably makes Chase Young a worthy favorite at plus 250 to be the defensive rookie of the year as well. We will go game by game with the Washington football team, see how they stack up. Does Kevin have them over the Giants who went 4-12 and yesterday? We'll see when we come back. It's the early line. More after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line on Sports Grid. Kevin and I looking at the Washington football team. Very, very interesting, okay? People do not expect much out of this team. Uh, five is the win total. Second choice to finish with the worst record in the league. I know you already have the Giants at only four wins. We'll see if Washington will get out of the basement in the NFC East. Also, you know, the NFL doesn't think much of this team. They have only one primetime game, and it is at Dallas on Thanksgiving. You're uh, kind of, uh, I don't want to say Cowboys and Indians, but that's what it looks like here on Thanksgiving. Um, week one, mm. they are at home. Your Philadelphia Eagles come to town week one. I think you mentioned this is like a survivor pick at some point, but I'm going to assume you have the Eagles. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, when... Look, last year, Case Keenum gave him quite the scare, and the Eagles were able to march back and take care of business. I, I guess the one thing is, and, I, and you know, for the most part, you see a lot of uh, division matchups on the deck for um, the start to the season yeah. for week one. And, you know, if Washington can pull an upset, it's not, it's not apples to apples when we talk about uh, that Jets-Bills games to me, because I right. think those teams are maybe a bit closer than the perception would, would say uh, for Washington and Philly here. But if Washington can pull it up, said it, it would be incredible. But I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody to pick Washington right now going into this game. Fair enough. I'll, I'll agree. I have them 0-1. Can I ask like on a side question? Do you have Washington winning any home divisional games? Yes. Fair enough. All right, let's keep it going. In week two, though, they go to the West Coast. They see the Arizona Cardinals, a team we kind of like. Yeah, we, we certainly do. Um, and Arizona is going to be – you know, first first home game for DeAndre Hopkins. Like, that yeah. building is maybe empty or rocking. I don't know. But I, I, I'm leaning, you know, again, through this exercise, you got to lean on the Cardinals there. All right, so then the 0-2 Washington football team stays on the road for back-to-back -back weeks. They go to Cleveland in week three. Yeah, and the Browns are uh, home off of a mini-buy, actually, ah. having played on Thursday night. So, uh, I believe against maybe the Bengals? or right. But it doesn't matter. Regardless, the Browns 
home yeah, of the like the mini, the mini buy being home after the mini buy. They come back home in week four, but it is no great shakes. This is kind of a rivalry in the Beltway, right? Baltimore and D.C., our nation's capital. The Ravens come to town. I, Yeah, you got them getting this upset? Uh, this is a great spot to take points because the Ravens are off this Monday night game with the Chiefs. I laughed to myself, though, that like, because this would be a spot, right, if someone's going to catch the Ravens and, like, it's Washington. And this is the thing now. So they're 0-4 to start the season. You're not making the playoffs if you start a season 0-4. But also, unless you're losing by the margins in all of these games, right, and let's be honest, Philly and Baltimore are the two home games, and both those teams are expected to be tiers above them. Yeah. Arizona and Cleveland are no easy trips. Those are supposed to be some pretty, pretty good passing offenses in this league. Like, through four weeks, you could argue they're the favorites for the first pick in the upcoming 2020 draft. After the first month of the season, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they'll be 0-4. I don't see a win here for them either. Week five, they stay home. Um, Do you like this west-to-east action? The Rams come east for a 1 o'clock start in our nation's capital. Yeah, I thought this was a good spot to give Washington a win. You've got a team traveling time zones here. The Rams feel like a team that I could see slipping up maybe on one of these uh, road trips out east. And uh, this is a spot where I, you know, again, you got to find them a couple wins. Not going to go on 16. Although they could, and you could bet it if you wanted. (laughs) I believe it's 55 to 1. Then they go up I-95 to MetLife Stadium to see the Giants in week six. And I think this is where the Giants – the Giants are now coming in for their first win. Think about that. Right. right? Like Washington. You have 1-4 Washington against 0-5 Giants in this game. Yeah. And, and this is one of our um, favorite juicy bets that we've found. Plus 750. This to be the Giants' first win of the season. Right. I like that. So you give the Giants the first win of the season, sending the Washington football team to 1-5. They would both be 1-5. The Giants would have the tiebreaker. Then week seven. Remember, I asked you, do they get any of their home division games? Here's one. Home yeah. week seven against Dallas. And look, Dallas is coming off Monday night. If If you wanted to try and find one of those games, maybe this is it. But, you know, and, and part of this is, Dane, though, too, is like I'm doing this exercise, right? Like if I come away with Dallas dropping games to Washington right. and Philly. You got to remember that tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you have to find the balance. I'm expecting – so what we saw from Dallas last year was they beat up on the bad teams and they, they lost to the good teams. Yeah. And I'm rolling with a similar process somewhat for Dallas coming into this season. All right, fair enough. So you have them then going one and six to start. But you did tell me that you have them winning a home divisional game. There's only one left on the calendar, and it is the following week. Week Oh, it's week nine. So to note, they would also be coming off their bye in week eight. Home for Dallas week seven. Bye week, week eight. Then the Giants coming to town week nine. So I got to assume you have them getting this one. I sure do. Um, and this is pretty interesting. Like, you'll see that the games that are to follow are winnable football games. Now, whether I have them winning them is a, is a whole different conversation. Um, but we've talked about getting into the bye week. Could it be time for change? And as much as I disagree with it, could I see this being Kyle Allen? Really? Yes, I could. I disagree hmm. with it. I could see it being Kyle Allen. That's interesting. I'm with you on this one, okay? I think the value of Kyle Allen is less what Ron Rivera wants him on the field and more in the locker room with the playbook with Dwayne Haskins as they move, you know, a new regime, a new coach. I think that's more the value in that, you know, meeting room, albeit if they can actually meet together in these rooms these days with COVID at play. You mentioned the next two games are winnable. They are against other teams that we expect to finish last in their division. They go two Detroit for week 10. Yeah, it's a tough one, right? And again, this is a similar situation where you've got two teams that you're trying to find wins for here. Um, ultimately, I give, I give this one to the Detroit Lions. I look at this stretch here, Dane, and again, well, you know, the, the three-week stretch is, is going to be finished off next week. It's the type of stretch that if they're able to do anything right. in those first seven weeks, this is when they become yeah, like a soft landing spot for them to yeah. try to be relevant. Like if, like if they can even pull out two and five in those first, like I have them just getting the game against the And Lions. then there's a chance they could reel off three in a row here with the Giants, the Lions, and then home for Cincy in the next one. Yeah. Right. But they won't be favored in any of those first seven games. 
No. You know? So they got to pull off a couple upsets to make, you know, weeks 9, 10, and 11 feel All like right. any. All right, fair enough. You have them at 2-7 and seven after their nine games. Then they come back home since he comes to town. They get that one? I actually gave this one to the Bengals. I told okay. you there's a, there's a brief period of uh, oh, right. Bengals, Bengals schedule where I start losing row, my mind. Right? Yeah, and I give Burrow, like, the best games of his life. And okay. Yeah, this is kind of it. You know what I mean? And, again, like, I'd love to give – you know, it's, it's fine. It, it'd be easy to just give this to Washington, but, like right. – no, I'm not going to do it. I, you know, yeah. I don't think they're that great necessarily. Fair enough. You don't think they're that great at all. They are two and eight for you after ten games. And Kevin, then comes something that I rally against: the three-game road trip, back oh, to God. back to back road games. At least it's, it's against not, easy teams. Oh boy, it's not easy oh, teams boy. at all. I don't give a damn about the mini buy they'll get right. Because so here's what it is: three weeks in a row, short week. At Dallas on Thanksgiving, then after that on the road to Pittsburgh, then after that across country to the Bay Area to play San Francisco. I mean, that's tough, Kev. I don't think they get any of them. Do you? They don't even have a mini by advantage against Pittsburgh, who's playing Thursday they, night they against Baltimore at home. Yeah. By the way, yeah. no, this is miserable. This is and this is what I'm talking about. That three game stretch, right? That that was just kind to them. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, here's the worst three-game stretch maybe any team has of the season. Yeah, that's three road games against playoff-caliber teams, teams that are all minus money to make the playoffs on the road three in a row. You've got them 2-11, and 11, okay, going into the final stretch of the season. And honestly, when I look at their last three games, I think you may give them one. Yeah. Um but the next two weeks, 15 and 16, they are home two weeks in a row. And I will say this. Every year, there is one game when Seattle flies west to east and mm-hmm. defecates the mattress on grass. Usually it's like in Tampa. But that would be the situation week 15, Washington hosts the Seattle Seahawks, who I think is going to have something to play for. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give this one to Seattle. I mentioned, you know, in that Seattle run through, they lost to the Dolphins in Miami. Right. So that's so kind of right. Have them tripped could, I, could I see my – I'll tell you this, though. Washington's an ATS team I'll look at quite a bit. I could see them maybe being competitive and getting 15 points more times than they should. Right. That is possible. All right, they stay home. Can they get another W, though, against the Panthers? Ron Rivera revenge. Hey, Ron Rivera. Do they start Kyle Allen in that game? Maybe. Could be intriguing. And then the 3-12 and 12, uh, Washington team will finish off their season at Philadelphia. I think we know how you think that one will go. I mean, if Philly's got something to play for, hosting that game, you know, again, you'd be hard-pressed to go any other direction. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Kev, you have this team 3-13. and Yep. Um, So I want to draw you back to the idea that they are 6-1, to Kev, Mm -hmm. have the worst record in the NFL. Do you believe 3-13 and could be the worst record in the NFL? Like, we did the Jaguars already, didn't we? And I think they they might have been like 2-14 and the Jags. Maybe like, uh, we have the Giants here already at four wins. When I look at that bet, Kev, you yeah. know, the idea of um, going 0-16 the, or the worst record in the NFL, uh, here are the other teams that are there, right? The Jaguars we talked about. Washington. Carolina you had winning five, six games. Cincinnati, I think I did with Joe Ranieri. Miami, you had winning like six games. The Giants, you had winning just four. I mean, you know, look. Hit on Washington at six to one. The the opponents, based on the timing, is why I can't get behind this team. I mean, literally, ten minutes ago or twenty minutes ago, I was just saying how I thought that this team could be a surprise team, and I still think some of that is true. But basically they would then all of the sudden need to be like a tier kind of above where you could right. even view that. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there's variables that exist for this team that maybe make this more interesting than it seems on the surface. Dwayne Haskins steps up, Ron Rivera fixes a lot of messes, yeah. but it's hard to, it's hard to pin that down right now and be like, yes, playoff bet on Washington. 
No, I hear you. And at three and thirteen, where my mind goes is to garbage time fantasy goodness. We see if we can find any diamonds or fugazis for the Washington football team when we come back. Come on back. It's the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. We're looking at the Washington football team. And, Kev, you know, this is a team you have going 3-13. and 13. I don't think you were abnormally harsh with them while doing so. I think it is valid that they're the second choice to, uh, you know, be the worst team in the league and having kind of like a top three pick. Let me ask you something, though. If they did, what do you think of the chances that they go from one Ohio State quarterback in Dwayne Haskins to another Ohio State quarterback in Justin Fields? It's a good question. It's a, I think it's plausible. I, my thing is like— He's not Ron Rivera's guy. Let me that's what they did. find out over 16 games. Is, is it possible that Dwayne Haskins does enough to lock that job in while they go 3-13? and 13? Is, that, is that a world that can exist? It is possible. Yeah, but I know it's a very low percentage. It's a very low percentage. I'll tell you what right now. If they defecate the mattress and are drafting really high, I'll say that the quarterback room next year for Washington will include uh, Justin Fields and, as his mentor, Cam Newton. But that's but because they're, they could be a similar style, Haskins? right? They could like, be a similar what? style. Sure, but, like, what happens with Dwayne Haskins? He goes the route of Josh Rosen. That's what happens. He becomes a backup somewhere. The same way as Josh Rosen, the same way as, you know, guys after their chance, you know, it don't happen. That's what happens. The same as Josh Rosen. Just think it's, I think, I think it'd be a mistake personally. I think the, the big tackle coming out of Oregon, anything like that, like him coming in and finally replacing Trent. They, oh, maybe, I don't know, drafting any type of wide receiver talent to let's see what Dwayne has. Like Jamar Chase action. We'll see. But I'll just quickly say this, right? They are not next. The The Eagles have Wentz and Peterson. That's a combination that has some staying power. Yeah. The Cowboys, if they lock up Dak, have a brand new head coach in McCarthy and Dak. They're not really going anywhere. And the Giants have Daniel Jones and Joe Judge, and how that works out, we'll see. They think Danny Dimes is their guy. Right. I don't see the benefit in rushing the Haskins experiment. I would argue to you that... Him playing four more years, right? And just let's just see how it goes. And then uh, just getting more talent and more talent and more talent is a better route than them trying to go now yeah. and, and 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 act like they can win the division next year. And I'm not saying that as an Eagles fan. I'm talking about where Dallas is, where the Giants are. Yeah. But their timeline is just way off. I I don't disagree with you. However, remember I just mentioned the name Josh Rosen. I refer you to the Arizona Cardinals, who cut bait early, right? Went with a whole new thing. And you and I now believe a year later their arrow is pointing up in a much more dramatic way. They cut bait on Josh Rosen and their coaching staff, went, got a new regime, drafted the new kid up top, Kyla Murray, which is what would be what Washington would be doing with a Justin Fields. Like, the precedent exists. Let me say this. Let me say this, though, right? The Cardinals, all of that's great. And they're favored to finish fourth in that division Fair. because of the timeline of the rest of the division. You're not wrong, okay? But I do think now teams, you don't have as long of a leash anymore, whether you're a head coach, a GM, or a young ascending quarterback. You just don't have that opportunity yeah. anymore in this win-now millennial culture. I got to give you my diamond in the rough, though. Um, and part of this, I will acknowledge— I'm sorry. What? You cannot blame millennials when it is nothing but old people making those decisions. That's not going to fly. I'll pre- There's no counter you can offer. It's all old people making the choices. Not right. my fault when I'm the one preaching patience. All right. No. What I will say is no. that patience is not always in spades in the attention span of the millennial. But you are correct that it is the overall construct that does not provide quarterbacks 
head coaches or GMs a long runway to figure it out. That's why the Gruden 10-year contract is interesting. That's why Shanahan and Lynch being joined at the hip for five years is interesting because that is now uncommon in the NFL and in professional sports. Hopefully you like that explanation a little bit better. My diamond for this team, and I got to tell you, I think there's a lot of variance with this dude, and I know what you're going to say in response, that he can't get on the field, and I appreciate that, but my guy Darius Pork Fried Geis has the potential to completely overperform his ADP. Kevin, he's going as RB31 right now, which would be a flex play. The skill of the player is a lot better than that, in my opinion, okay? And I believe there is a path where, listen, Adrian Peterson, very nice story. He's going to ascend up the all-time ranks. This is Darius Geis if he is healthy and shows who he is as a young running back. And when you're at that level, I'm at RB31 right now, there's a bunch of other guys, Kev, that have injury concerns, right? So the stuff you'll say about Geis with injury and inconsistency, I take it. But at that level, the ceiling of Geis is what I appreciate here, and that's what makes Darius Geis a diamond to me. Like, he is, you know, right above Philip Lindsay, also with an injury kind of concern for me, right? He is above, he's behind other guys who I think as a player, Geis is far better than. Uh, I'll stop there to see if you want to push back before I give you any of the other kind of names. But at that level where I'm looking for my flex play running back, if I already have two running backs, I'll take a chance on Darius Geis because I think the upside is real. Let me say, uh, one of the most underreported stories in the history of my time watching the NFL is the unfounded hit piece that they put out on Darius Geis yes. to lower his draft stock. When he came out of college. LSU, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. To lower his draft stock because he talked about the ridiculous questions that he was asked. Yes. And they were like, oh, he was an issue at LSU. No, he's later, just a real like, dude. But that's no, all it is. It was like, none of that's true. But right. they, they did their job in dropping his yes. draft stock the way that they wanted to. I actually really like Darius Geis. I, from a talent perspective, Dane, I agree 100%. When I've seen him in the preseason, when I've seen him in two games that he plays, yo, the tape don't lie, and this dude can be a strong running back in the NFL. I think we're talking about a player that I guarantee you finishes 10 spots off where he is going. I just don't know which direction. Which direction, right? It's what a- if I tell – okay, but if you take the DeLorean and Back to the Future and I tell you he plays in 15 games this year, you want him? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> right. Is- one of the best values the board will offer you if he's going to play 15 games. That's but right. The problem is he played five last year. Absolutely. Right. And absolutely. And and that's just the thing. But can he easily like? To me, the concerns are right. Not Adrian Peterson. And I agree with you. Right. And you no, pushed his own availability. Yeah. It's just whether or not he can stay on the field. So I, I totally agree. And I think if you can get to a point where the ADP drops a little bit more. I'd be comfortable because here's my thing. And so, Dane, if you want to, because this is the thing, it's a big swing you're taking and you it might is. hit the home run, but it, it, you know, it's one you're of those right. swings where you, you know, you like fall over after you strike you're out. Right. Because if that's your RB3, right, by weeks, that's two weeks you need starting. And usually an RB3 is an option in terms of, of your, flex. your flex position, and he can go away just like that. Yes. You're absolutely right. And I led with the availability, but, and that's why I'm talking about the upside at that level, I think is higher than almost anybody else at that level. I'll give you some of the other names around him at the running back spot. Okay. I told you guys is going as RB 31. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn. Oh, Lindsay. Oh, Matt wow. Rita, Tariq Cohen. These are the names around him. Devin Singletary is around him. Um, uh, DeAndre Swift is around him. Raheem Mostert, Cam Akers. That's what we're talking about. And don't get me wrong, right? Kens, I like Singletary a little bit. I know you think Akers could be the lead dog. But when I look at the player and the skill set, let's put it this way. There's a universe 
in my opinion. Darius Geis plays 15 games. Adrian Peterson walks away after this year, where next year we're talking about Darius Geis as an RB, a back-end RB1, high-end RB2. I think that is plausible, and because of that, I believe he has the skill set ready to be a diamond. But I know you wanted to talk about Terry McLaurin. He mm -hmm. is going as wide receiver number 25, right? And when we talk about the pie, right, and the fantasy herd aspect, I think it is fair to say that Scary Terry will have a big chunk of that pie. Yeah, so he was awesome last year. In the he 14 was. games that he played, he had 919 yards, seven touchdowns, caught 58 of 93 targets. The gap between him and the next man in this receiving core remains as wide. In fact, I would say it's grown because he's now a year-two guy, and he should only be getting better. And there's been nobody inserted into the depth chart that is going to stop this man from being a comfortable 100 targets. Again, he has seven off 100 targets last You're year right. in only 14 games. You're right. He's So he's well over a 100 target kind of guy. I look at Terry McLaurin. I look what he's able to do from a touchdown perspective. He's also a big play guy. Like yep. He has every single thing that Went to the same want. school <laughs> as Dwayne Haskins, right? They were teammates at Ohio State. And if you think they're going 3-13, and 13, Kev, then that seems like a lot of garbage time targets in the second half. Look, Terry McLaurin has everything that you need for him to, I believe at least, outplay that 25-ranked uh, wide receiver ADP. The question, though, that I do have to ask— I got to give a you lot these of, other names around them, though, Kev. Well, so here's my thing. A lot of the arguments that I'm making right now for Terry, right, are comparable to the arguments that I made for Julian Edelman. And if you would have asked me, though, like before we've had any of these discussions to guess where they were, right. I would have expected Edelman to be in front of him. Because Edelman is— expected to still get more targets? Maybe not. And this is where I'm still, and I'm still basically struggling with the Julian Edelman thing. Right. But like, of those two, are you comfortably Terry McLaurin? No. I'm down on both of them. Okay, uh, that's quite honest. I'm down on both of them. Edelman, because as I've said, I think the defenses will pay incredible attention to Edelman. And for McLaurin, my feelings, are you're right. Game flow should get him opportunities, right? He was a good uh, receiver. Chemistry with Haskins. I don't believe in Dwayne Haskins. You seem to believe in Haskins a little bit more than me. I think McLaurin may have multiple quarterbacks under center for him in the season. I he think that last year, to be fair. You're right. I'm, I'm not a buyer in McLaurin. I'm just not. Um, I think part of the skill set uh, was there, but part of it was just the opportunity and garbage time targets. I believe Darius Geis is going to be a much bigger piece this year. And with Edelman, you know, I, I think just Edelman in the slot, whereas McLaren is more on the outside. I'm not a buyer in either of them. McLaren is 25 right now. Edelman is 32. There are a number of people in between that I would prefer. Stefan Diggs in between, DK Metcalf in between, Jarvis Landry in between, Debo Samuel in between, AJ Green in between. I like all of those names better than Edelman you. and McLaren. If Because I think, based on the way drafts usually go, McLaurin and Geis, I feel like, could be on the board in the same range. Yeah. Now, I know it depends on how the roster's constructed. I'm going Geis. Overall, really? Yeah. Oh, I can't agree. Yeah. I, so that's the thing. And I will acknowledge I'm lower on McLaurin. I'll admit that. And Geis is one of my guys. I had a team with him last year, and literally every week I changed my team name from pork fried Geis to shrimp fried guys, to kimchi guys. <laughs> and so maybe I just have a soft spot for him. You have a soft spot for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's a team we will talk about on tomorrow's edition of The Early Line. For my man, Kevin Walsh, I am merely the spitting statistician. Stick with us. We'll see you tomorrow. The morning after is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.